a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. He's tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green-related, it's in. And what a week it's been since we last met. Partygate is over. The vomit-laden bins have been removed. A skip full of wine bottles, long gone. And the Prime Minister is very, 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 very sorry indeed. Let's speak to our man, Still holding on to that manky Volivon from his own one-man lockdown parties. He is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist, Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. I thought you were describing the aftermath of the Forest Green promotion party there for a minute. <laughs> Which, of course, was perfectly legit. Absolutely. I mean, so let's start. There's a big week, big initiative, big campaign. What's going on? Yeah, it's a kind of, uh, it's a very big day for us, actually. We started work on our first green gas mill. It's going to be powered by grass. We've been talking about this for like several years. We had a whole bunch of yeah. things get in the way, like planning, patchy government support, the pandemic, then the energy crisis, then the war in Europe. You know, they all got in the way of getting this thing started. But we start today uh, on site. You know, it's one of those hard hat moments. I wouldn't be surprised if Boris Johnson don't turn up, you know, because it's a hard hat moment, right? And he loves them. Yeah. So just, I mean, put some some meat on the bones of this then. Tell I mean, this sounds pretty huge for those who've not been keeping track of, of what is going on. What what precisely are you doing? What what What's the aim? How long is it going to take? We put out a story today saying that there's been a massive new gas field discovered in Britain. We're having a little bit of fun, kind of parodying the uh, fossil fuel industry. Because actually what we mean is, Britain is a massive gas field, potentially. The fields of Britain, actually, quite uh, quite literally. At the same time as starting work on our first gas mill, we've published our second green gas report. This one was authored for us by Imperial College London. We thought we needed some kind of academic rigour and an independent voice in this debate because we've really not been able to get any traction. Uh, so they've been studying the data for a few months, like land availability and suitability, proximity to grid, uh, number of jobs, economic benefit, all, all the things that we flagged in our first report, but in depth and independent. And uh, we said seven years ago, there was enough grassland to power all of Britain's homes with green gas, zero carbon green gas made here from a source that will never run out, right? The grass under our feet. They said, actually, there is that much. If we just take spare grassland, we can do all Britain's homes. But if we change our diets, which we have to do to fight the climate crisis, actually, we can make enough gas to run the entire country, not just homes, but businesses as well. And in fact, we can make twice as much gas as the North Sea produces now, which is an incredible amount of gas. So, you know, we're calling this our new North Sea. Uh, The grass under our feet is... The answer to so many problems, right, because we can be energy independent for gas, we can be free from Russia and Saudi Arabia, and the the geopolitics that goes with that, the 50 billion that leaves our economy every year to get burned in imported fossil fuels, create 160,000 jobs, according to Imperial College, um, and vast wildlife areas at the same time. So this is an enormous opportunity 
for us, I would say. It sounds, I mean, this is massive. I mean, is this an ecotricity thing? Is it a Dale Vince thing? And whichever one it is, I'm sure it's both. But have the government come along and shaken your hand out and said, well, you've solved the problems for us here? <laughs> yeah, and then I woke up, right? <laughs> yeah. So we, we so we put this in the hands of government like, repeatedly and got no traction. Part of the reason we commissioned the second report, and you know, we've been wanting to build this demonstrated project for a number of years because we know that's important as well uh, to get attention. But uh, the government actually are pulling in a very different direction. They've got this... I hesitate to call it a plan, but they call it a plan, so I will, to have a national rollout of air source heat pumps to put one in every home, all 28 mm. million of them in Britain. Um, and they haven't costed it. We costed it uh, at around about £300 billion. And um, Imperial College said, no, no, it's not that much. It's £283 billion. So I'm going to call that 300 right? Because ours was a wet finger in the air guess, and theirs is a little bit deeper research. It's 300 billion quid, which is madness. Yeah. So a green gas program will cost one-sixth of that price. So the problem with the heat pump rollout is, uh, well, there are, there are many problems, but we'll need to make three times as much electricity to run them as we need to make now. And uh, we need a massive grid upgrade they cost like eight grand anyway to install for the poor householder. Sure. They'll they'll add to your overall energy bill by sixty percent, according to Imperial College, because they aren't that great actually. Uh, they aren't that efficient. So, oh, and we have to throw away tens of millions of gas cookers and gas boilers and scrap the national gas grid. None of that makes any sense. It's just madness. Uh, and you know, in contrast, what we're saying is, look, all we have to do, guys, is change the gas in the grid. Keep our boilers, keep our cookers, keep our grid, and just change the gas. Job done. Fraction of the cost, super fast, no fuss or hassle for people. So we hope to get some traction now. So what? When when you've kind of proposed this, uh, and there is either somebody from the government, or, or maybe somebody who works in energy sourcing and knows their beans what 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 arguments are forthcoming against this Dale? what what seems to be the grind in the process well the standard line from Bayes, i think is how you pronounce it b-e-i-s that new government department is that green gas has a role to play but it's a kind of niche one that's their view which i don't understand i think that's true of heat pumps actually they, they do have a role, but it's relatively niche. Uh, we don't really get beyond that. You know, I think there's some non-government actors in this, like, uh, you know, George Monbiot, uh, for example, who don't like it, but he won't tell us why. Uh, we've asked him, but he just called it, I think, uh, environmentally illiterate is what he called it. So we don't understand that because actually this program would create vast areas of wildlife habitat. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'll have the chance to have a chat to him someday about it. I'll send him a copy of this second report and see what he says. But there is no good reason, I think, basically, Ian. There's no good reason for not doing this or for being opposed to this. And that's the head-scratching moment, isn't it? You, you, you just think, well, okay. Even if you were around the table with the Environment Secretary and, and, and had a series of meetings with him, his department, bring George along as well, whoever, and there was some conclusion at the end of it that, you know, we, we think – this isn't the full answer, for example. Even if you got to that stage, you could say, well, okay, we're, we're in a dialogue here now. But the idea that you're not able uh, to get to that stage, and you would think, you know, you're running a pretty significant energy company here. You think it wouldn't be that, that alien to them to say, I think we might or should invite this man around the table for a cup of tea. 
Yeah, you know what? I think they've got like um, distractions, let's say. You know, uh, I don't think the, the government is serious about the environment. I think they've been lobbied successfully by the air source heat pump industry. Uh, and they believe it's the kind of easy answer. Just plug one of these in and we can replace gas. They definitely haven't costed it out. And therefore, you know, they, they're just not interested, you know, just not interested, which is which is a shame. But there's an election coming, right, uh, in a year, maybe two. And what we're going to try and do is get this uh, in the manifesto of the Labour Party because they may form the next government. And I think that's the key, really, to tackling yeah. the climate crisis, doing things like this. You know, we could become gas independent. Imagine that. We could make gas here in this country, create 160,000 jobs. It'll never run out. And it's virtually zero carbon. Uh, well, brilliant. And so in layman's terms, then, anyone listening to this, is a kind of conversation. There's a lot in this. There's a lot to pick apart. But what, just give us the headline. If, if I meet somebody in the pub tomorrow, I say I was chatting to my mate Dale Vince, and he was telling me about the, an initiative that can actually combat all the issues around everything from environmental damage to cost, etc. And this is where the gas comes from. What's the shorthand answer to that? Where does the gas come from? Grass. Simple as that. It doesn't get a shorter hand than that, does it? Grass, yeah. We've just got an abundance of it, actually, and we can turn it into gas. We can put that into the gas main and we can carry on, you know, living the lives that we do at the moment with cookers and boilers, and except we can do it zero carbon, having made vast new areas for wildlife and uh, being independent of the uh, fossil fuel dictators around the world that we currently depend upon. Is there anywhere, is there a template around the world where somebody has done this? No, there's not. I mean, it's, it's waiting to be done. It would be a fantastic thing for Britain to do, you know. Um, we just hosted COP26, didn't we? We made all kinds of promises about getting to net zero and stuff. I mean, it would be a fantastic national program of job creation, of transitioning away from fossil fuels. And I forgot to mention also, it's a massive transition for farmers. Such a program would put £15 billion a year into rural economies. And those 160,000 jobs are in rural economies. And basically, it's sure. for farmers to transition away from animal agriculture, which is you know yeah, yeah. difficult for them, let's say, economically, and of course, is driving the climate crisis as well. So everybody wins. I was going to say, you know, growing grass is not an expensive <laughs> form of agriculture, right? So, I mean, that would be quite good. I've lost count of how many farmers I've spoken to said we've got a shitload of land here, uh, but actually we're not doing anything with it because either because of inclemency in the weather or some other consideration. So, you know, trinkle on some grass seeds and you've got a whole new industry there. Yeah, and the byproduct of these green gas mills is natural fertiliser which is incredible. So yeah. it's also a replacement for synthetic fertilizers, which are made from uh, fossil gas. A lot of people don't know that, but I mean, they were invented yeah. just after the Second World War. Uh, and they're a problem, actually. Uh, but uh, green gas mills are the answer to that as well. Um, let's look at a couple of other stories, and many of these will feed into this, I think, Dale. And firstly, I think it's it's appropriate that we look at what's going on in Australia, because Down Under has, has been the target of ours on many a podcast, of course. As my old nan used to say about Australia when it came to climate issues, they're f***ing useless. But <laughs> things could change down there. Oh, yeah. Change your government, right? I saw yeah, that. yeah. This is likely, I mean, the guy was making the point quite early doors. Uh, the, the new prime minister was that, you know, climate was almost the first thing he mentioned when he was elected. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's very hopeful, isn't it? I haven't read much about that, but I did see that those guys won ending, what was it, 10, 15 10 years, years of yeah, yeah. kind of right, right-wing rule? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, I think the difficulty he's now got is 
uh, the, what kind of resistance he gets from anything he puts forward because Australia isn't, yeah. you know, the left wing of Australia is more right wing than Boris Johnson. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's got a majority either, has he? I think it's a. No, he's going to struggle a little bit. But, you know, but, I mean, best of luck to him, for goodness sake. Um, and I saw this question from Chris uh, a windfall tax on wind farms. Have they made runaway profits too? Or is this just a Tory mind bleep? Yeah, it is that. Uh, you know, I think it's a, like a culture war thing from the Tories. You know, like for how many months have they been resisting the very obvious ethical thing to do, which is put a windfall tax on windfall profits from the North Sea, giving us a range of excuses that have all been debunked, including by the North Sea operators who said, nah, it won't affect how much we invest. It's fine, you yeah. know, uh, which was the government's first first excuse. So they resist it until it's almost inevitable that they can't. And then they say, yeah, but we're going we're gonna to impose it on renewable energy as well. Uh, you know, if there are wind farms out <laughs> It's like, bless them. They're going to put it, uh, I think they mentioned nuclear as well. And there could be some nuclear power stations that are long out of uh, contract that have made a windfall, but I kind of suspect not. Most generators sell their power in advance. And so they've got, you know, they're fixed at a low price. I think the one exception could be our old friend Drax, actually. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think they fired up some redundant uh, burners uh, during the crisis. And I think they made a fortune. So let's hope they're on the on the shopping yeah. list of uh, Rishi Sunak. I mean, it was all kind of strange, wasn't it, when they said the, the point about, about, well, you know, if we tax the the energy, uh, the, 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 the kind of oil and gas companies, then they're not going to invest. So e- even the polluters said, no, no, we will. We're fine. You tax away, son. Tax away, Rishi. We'll, we'll, still, we'll still invest. <laughs> I mean, you, how, how more blatant could it be? <laughs> I mean, it's even worse than that because the first thing they said was they won't invest in fossil fuels and that's what we need to solve the energy crisis, right? Which is completely wrong because 50% of our gas came from the North Sea last winter and we didn't save a penny that way because we let global markets set the price we pay ourselves for it. Yeah. So that point was wrong. Plus, of course, we don't need more fossil fuels to fight the climate crisis. We need less. So then they they pivoted to, oh, we need them to invest in renewable energy or we'll have this tax. Uh, and that's when they said, look, it's not going to change, uh, you know, what we do. And then it was, well, pensioners will be affected. So some think that crunched some numbers and said, oh, no, they won't. And uh, it's like, goes on and on. <laughs> and you know, it's yeah. like, this is a windfall profit, right? It's unearned, unexpected, unrequired money. It doesn't hurt to take it from them and put it back where it came from, which is on energy, people's energy bills, you know, by, by rebating them, discounting sure. them, whatever, you know. Mike on Twitter says, Jubilee weekend is coming up. Can I get your vegan burgers and bangers in a supermarket yet? Well, of course, we should say that I know this is the the, the very moment uh, whenever we mention Jubilee and the like, you've probably stood up at the mere word uh, of me referencing this. Do we expect to see you on the balcony over there at Buckingham Palace? Are you, are you that far into the regal circle yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And the uh, the answer to the, to the other question is, well, kind of, right? Our burgers and balls are in uh, Ocado. I think we're, we're going to be in some kind of, uh, what, do you, what would you call it, real-world retail in, in the next month or two. So it's kind of, you know, they're coming. Otherwise, football season starts soon, and you can get them here. Well, you'll have more money to spend as well, won't you? Except we have to spend it all on the team budget. That's the trouble, isn't it? That's the kind of double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, TV rights and all that kind of stuff kicks in. I'm actually happy about it because uh, it's a higher standard of football. We know we have to adapt for that. And the simple fact that we'll have enough more money coming in to make that adaptation uh, makes me happy, you know, because we're not here to make money. So we'll, we'll be happy if we can 
uh, you know, maintain our like financial uh, outlook in League One. This in from Jackie, big fan of the podcast. It's really grown into one of my favourite listens. Uh, love what you do already, but I think occasional in-depth features on certain issues would be good. Well, when we move into, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we, Dale, about as we move into, I guess, Series 4 after the summer. Uh, I, I, this, this is the kind of area I think we're going to be looking at. Thanks for the feedback, Jackie. And, and actually, this episode has gone a little bit in-depth into green gas. I hope it's the kind of thing that you're, that you're looking for. Yeah, and that was reflected by a, a few people as well, I should say, on, on social media. Stephen made a point. Uh, Vi, as well, on Facebook, uh, kind of echoed that too. Well, we kind of do, we mix things around, don't we, each series, because we take a little hiatus for the summer. So uh, that clearly yeah. seems to be the time that we, uh, you know, change a few things, as it were. Yeah, come back with a new new approach. We can start talking in different accents and things like that just to mix it up, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Each week. We need to get your old nan on board, right? We, we need her to like phone, phone in from wherever she's living yeah. right? and, and put her straight. <laughs> we'll uh, install a profanitator, uh, especially for when <laughs> nan, nan is in the house. There's <laughs> a feature there. Um, and we should mention this lovely bit of parish news as well, because we're actually – it might be our last one of the series. I don't know before we take a break, but we are doing. We're out on the road, Dell, but not any old road. The Womad Road. Oh yeah, later in June. Yeah, July. July. Yeah, I'm good on it. I know. July. Well, you have handlers to know this kind of stuff, don't you? You, you sort of <laughs> put into an electric car and pointed north, and <laughs> this is the way to Womad. Um, you've done this this festival. Obviously, there's been a, a break because of lockdown, but you're, you're not new to uh, Womad, and there is an ecotristy stage there as well. And we'll be doing this podcast live. Yeah, which is going to be great fun. And actually, we have uh, like debates on this stage every year when when it's on, kind of themed around Green Britain. Uh, John yep. Snow has been our host for that, which has been fantastic. And uh, we have big crowds actually, and and a great kind of participation. Uh, we get ourselves a panel of uh, people with some opposing views. Uh, it's always best to have that. Uh, maybe yep. I'll invite Nigel Farage. Do you think he'd come? I, th- I think he might do. We invite my old nan as well, going back to her. So we, <laughs> we could, that would be a right mother of a blowout, wouldn't it, on the panel? I mean, I think Farage would be would be great. I think the one thing, and I don't want to give too much away here because it might stop him from coming, but you know this because you've been interviewed by him, that he, he's not particularly argumentative, is he? When you start talking to him, he doesn't start shouting and going, that's not true, that's a load of old bollocks. He doesn't do that. No, no. He, well, he didn't do that with me. Somebody was saying to me the other day that you know that's what he normally does, dominate an interview and and that kind of stuff. But he watched it and he said he thought he was being quite careful because he maybe felt a little bit exposed on the facts or something. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I just thought he was like decent to talk to. Let me talk. Listen to me and. You know, I'd offer him a fact every time he offered me a myth, and then we'd move on to a new myth and a new fact, and that was that was all right. That was fun. Yeah, well, that's kind of what you want, isn't it? Really, you know, you could out comes the myths, you explode them, and he takes a kicking, and then you move on to the next one. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know yeah, what's not to like about that. That's a whole that's a whole show in itself, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know what I love about these things is uh, is getting in front of different audiences. So in this case, his audience, you know, they need to hear this stuff because otherwise, in their bubble, these myths circulate between themselves and become reality. You know, hard wired reality. And so it's great to get in there and say, well, actually, for example, there is enough renewable energy to power the whole country like twenty times yeah, over. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I thought there wasn't enough. You know, and then we move on to the next one. Simple as that. Yeah, we've got really, a lag isn't it? So, yeah. 
Yeah, simple right. as that. And it's like, you know, it's like working with the Daily Express. You know, that's another audience of people who we found to be super receptive. And of course, the best example I've got is a football audience, you know, who nobody thought would be receptive to this kind of thing, but they are. Brilliant. Listen, um, WOMAD details uh, over the coming weeks as well. We'll tell you more about that as we move forward. Um, and that's it for this episode. Dale, have a cracking week. Uh, we'll speak in seven days. Yeah, thanks, Ian. And by the next time we speak, Forest Green Rovers will have a new head coach. Just flagging that. Hey, there's a tease if ever there was one. That is <laughs> that is it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider. Then you get each new one automatically. Leave a review there as well. Get in touch. Zero Carbonista at ecotristy.co.uk. Really important bit. Follow Dale on social media too. Twitter.com slash Dale Vince and Facebook.com slash Dale Vince. Zero carbon east off.